who have had a, a career in marketing where data and intuition and creative ideas are sort of intertwined. But at the beginning of my career, I had a boss who told me that the data was going to be extraordinarily important to the success of my idea, right? Anchor the idea and the data. You can predict whether or not it's going to work, and then you can see if it actually did work, and vice versa. Well, I mean, look, I, I took that advice. I based a lot of my ideas right there in the data. I was inspired sometimes, right? To see a pattern of something moving, and I thought, ooh, look, 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 I can follow that. Maybe it'll work. But the challenge was that my ideas stopped right there. They didn't really take flight. Because no ideas are based off of electricity. No ideas like come sharp. They sprint here and they go here and they move there. They're nonlinear. I kind of feel like they're like daydreams. You know, intuition gets you there. It feels like something that is just on the horizon. You know, and then sometimes it comes with a sharp focus. You wake up and you remember exactly what it was. That's what ideas feel like. And your intuition is actually what helps you get there. It takes it from something that is so practical to something that is magical. Now, I'm also very, very, very grateful uh, for a boss I had early on who affirmed my intuition. I worked for Spike Lee and his advertising agency. This was in the early 2000s. And at the time, Pepsi had commissioned him to create a commercial for a campaign that they were trying to launch on the main brand. Spike asked, you know, everybody in the office to come up with some thoughts on what the talent could be that would star in the commercial. And at the time, I was an assistant account executive. Uh, there were people who were much more senior than I who knew exactly what they were doing, who had come up with a bunch of great ideas. They went to the data. You know, they went to the billboard charts to look at who was at the top. They went to album sales, seeing who was selling, you know, who the public really loved. They looked at lists that experts had put together. Who's at the top? Who's really going to win? Who has longevity? Well, I didn't really understand any of that data. <laughs> I can look at it, but eh, I didn't really trust myself to interpret it. So I went to the thing I did know, which is MTV. MTV. I loved it. It starred Beyonce. And I thought it was magical because, I mean, who the hell puts hip-hop and opera together? Fascinating. So, I put my vote on Beyonce. Now, of course, today, everybody would be like, well, of course, that makes so much sense. Why wouldn't you? Bet on her. Yeah, she's the winner. But at the time, the data would tell us differently. No, there are not a lot of uh, solo artists that come out of girl groups and are successful. In my opinion, there's only one, Diana Ross. Yeah, the one. <laughs> Beyonce is another. So at the time, nobody was betting on her. But I'm so grateful that Spike 
affirmed my intuition and also followed his. And I would say today that we're pretty successful. Now, 20 years later, uh, I still use my intuition daily. I'm the chief marketing officer at Netflix. You'd probably say that, uh, well, maybe the stakes weren't as high when I was an assistant account executive, so I could use my intuition and who cares? And maybe today that's different. <sighs> Not. <laughs> Every day I'm charged with looking at com campaigns that are 15 seconds long, 30 seconds long, 60 seconds long, 90 seconds long, that will encourage you to watch something that's much longer every day. And so I have to use my intuition to understand whether or not something is going to make you cry immediately, is it going to make you laugh immediately, is it going to scare you, is it going to inspire you. And I feel like if I feel that, then perhaps you do too. Now, I'm not the only one. There are other people who, who do this. Uh, one is 100 years ago, or over 100 years ago, Henry Ford. He's attributed with saying that if he had asked people at the time when he was inventing the Model T if they wanted something like that, <laughs> they would have said they wanted faster horses instead of this new invention. I think that's pretty powerful. Or you can look at today, more recent example, Ed Bastian and the team at Delta, you know, based on intuition, I believe, decided that after the restrictions of leaving that middle seat open so that those who were flying would feel safer, right, with some distance in between them, that after those restrictions were lifted, they still kept that middle seat open. Now, I'm sure they were losing millions of dollars every day with that decision, but the intuition was right. Do you feel safer? Do I feel safer? What would make us feel safer? I think that's the right thing. Now, look, we can all look at 2020 and 2021 <laughs> and understand that oof, we can't really predict what happened. We don't really know. But what we do know is right here. What are the things that make us feel good? The things that scare us? The things that make us feel more connected to each other? You know, today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. So then let's talk about you. You have your intuition. And we'll use some science in here too. Okay, we're not totally against data. <laughs> that if you are a set up of uh, molecules, okay? Every one of us have a unique pattern, a unique set. How remarkable is that? No two of us are the same. So one molecule changes and we have a whole nother being. Now, if you consider that we take ourselves as a whole, let's pretend we're one big molecule and that over there, the matter over there, is life and the experiences, <clears throat> the services, the communities that we serve. And we enter that matter, it changes. We step out of the matter, it changes. So of course you're powerful. So why wouldn't your intuition, your own thing that you have, be powerful? And think about
about that all the time. And perhaps you don't want to take the big, big swing just yet. You know, you can take the little steps. You can practice. I practice for a long time. I want to encourage you to practice too. But maybe you don't want to, you know, bet on Beyonce. <laughs> or maybe you don't want to create the Model T. Maybe you don't want to make the call about the middle school. So let's, let's take it to something that may be a little bit easier, a little closer to home. Let's pretend you're curating a dinner party. You're going to be safe about it. You have six people over. And you're considering all the data around who likes what, right? There's some people who, you know, maybe somebody's a vegetarian. Another person doesn't eat dairy. Another hates spicy food. Somebody only likes their food really, really hot with heat. And you have to consider all of this. Put it all together, think about what to make. I think you'd come up with a really bland fish dish. Ugh, something terrible. But if you use yourself as the curator, as the one with intuition, think about, yes, all the data, put in all the data, you know, vegetarians, spices, all of that, I think you'd probably come up with something that you wanted to eat too. You know, taking all that into consideration. It might be a catfish soup. Something really delicious. Something memorable. Now, there's probably going to be one person in there who hates it. <laughs> Guaranteed. There's always one. But that's okay. Everybody else will remember that moment, will remember that experience. And it'll be something exciting. So consider that. As I think about data and how we want to live and change our world, I'm reminded that sometimes data is the pill that we take to calm our insecurities about what we intuitively know. So I'm advocating that we decrease the dosage of our data and that we increase implementation of our intuition. You'll feel great. 